I find that men in general are really struggling with their place and feeling like they're a meal ticket a lot of times. I saw recently on social media, someone put up a reel about just, just date men for good meals, right? Go on a first date with a guy, you get a really nice meal, nice wine, and you can do that every day of the week and have all your meals out. And there's truth to that though. There are some women who do look at dating like that. And I think men are really struggling right now to find the person that's going to be genuine, who just wants to go on a date to get to know them versus having a meal ticket or men feeling like every time they match with someone on a dating app, they have to wonder, when is she going to ask me for money? Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. My name is Mae Bugenhagen. I am your host today. I run a boutique matchmaking company called Two Asian Matchmakers, where men are the paying clients. They pay me to find them a nice Asian woman. And if you're a nice guy out there wanting to hire a matchmaker, I would love to speak with you. And if you're a lovely Asian woman, please join my database so I can find you and set you up. And today I have a special guest. I have Andrea LaRosa. She is the author of Get the Girl, Dating the High Value Woman. And she's also the host of a Date Smarter, Sexier podcast. She has been coaching men and women around the world into better dating practices and stepped into the world of matchmaking during the pandemic. What an interesting maneuver. How did you get started, Andrea? How are you doing? Good. Hi, May. Thank you again for having me. I'm I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. So um, how did you get started with matchmaking and all that good stuff? You know, my business coaching wise boomed during the pandemic, uh, especially right before. And then I realized as soon as everything got shut down, people were struggling to meet people. Obviously you weren't going out. People were quarantined and dating apps took a huge turn for most people depending on whether you're in a big city or a small city, obviously plays a huge part in dating apps. But what I was seeing what was happening where people were getting onto dating apps for multiple reasons. They had OnlyFans pages that they were trying to push or they were just trying to feel validated and they were lonely, but they didn't actually want to meet someone. And they or what was happening when people were getting on and they were just seeing like, what else is out there? I'm in a relationship or I'm married, but I just want to see like what other options there are out there for me. And we were seeing that the percentage of people who were actually looking for a long-term relationship that were on dating apps was becoming lower and lower and lower. It was going down from like 40% to 30% to 20%. And people were just getting really frustrated. And I wanted to be able to help people find real connection, real matches without having to put all that crazy work into dating apps because I was helping people as a coach to reinvent their profile. So instead I figured, well, why don't I just do it all for them? Okay. And that's how you started uh, Date Smarter Matchmaking and- how your company is a little bit unique to a lot of other matchmaking companies is you guys do blind dates, right? Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. 
I wanted to stand out somehow. And most matchmakers will niche or they will find something that allows them to kind of stand out from the rest of the matchmakers. And I couldn't at first figure out what mine was. And then I realized, I think what I want to do is I want to send people on blind dates because what I was seeing was if I sent a profile to a client, this was feeling no different than a dating app. Instead of swiping, they were just going, mm, no, they're not good looking enough, or I don't like what they said here, or they were nitpicking. And I really wanted them to go on a date and have that authentic feeling of meeting someone face-to-face, -face, that initial chemistry and that initial reaction. Once upon a time, you might remember way back when, when we used to meet people in a bar or through an interest group or friends of friends or coworkers. And it was the only meeting you ever had was face-to-face. -face. That's how you met someone. It wasn't looking at a photo and creating this fake persona. And then when you meet them, it's not what you had created in your head. And I didn't want my clients to continue to do that. So we do blind dates. <laughs> do your clients ever fight you on it or really want a photo? Like, how do you know what their type is? We do a lot of calls. So there's a lot of coaching. So I take a client on initially and I do a lot of coaching with them because I'm sure as you have seen, they'll initially come in and say, I'm open, set me up. I just, I really want a connection. I don't care so much about what they look like or how tall they are. And frankly, that's BS because they do care. <laughs> and we'll go through a lot of coaching at first and, you know, we'll even do mock dates. I'll send them sometimes out on a mock date to get an idea of what they really want. That way we're not wasting good matches on them. You know, a lot of times they come back after their first real match and they're like, oh, no, I do have more deal breakers I forgot about. And yeah, they'll fight me a little bit on it sometimes. And if they really fight hard, then I'll respect that. But I have yet to have any client come in and say like, I need to see the profile unless it's coming from another matchmaker that I can't vet the client, then I'll allow them to see the photo. But for the most part, they've been really open to going on these blind dates. Now, what are some ways that you advise your clients to date with these blind dates? They don't know anything about the um, person they're matching. So how would you suggest they go about digging for information like interview style or mm. not interview style? Like what? So I coach both. Actually, I coach my client in how to avoid the interview style first date. Don't ask what you do for a living you know, come to the table with, I call it their dating toolkit. It's a way for them to engage in conversation that's a little bit unique, um, a little bit more authentic conversation, more genuine. Instead of saying like, what do you like to do for fun? Come with some suggestions of like, you know, if you, if you could travel anywhere tomorrow, anywhere in the world, like where, where would you go? And have that conversation if travel is something that's important to you, because that'll tell you a lot about whether or not you're going to be compatible. You know, if you like international travel and this person's like, I want to go camping and backpacking through like, I don't know, <laughs> the mountains in Big Bear in California, then you probably are not going to be super compatible as far as travel goes. So now you need to talk about other things to see if that compatibility is there. But 
it just, it's a nice way to have a very real conversation rather than no one's liked an interview. Who's ever sat down in an interview for a job and said like, oh my gosh, that was so fun. I want to do that again. I want to do that on a date. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you you vet them already, right? You would know if they like international travel or they're like a camping and hiking kind of person. So you, because it's a blind date doesn't mean that they're not compatible. It just means you vetted all of them, the two people, and now Mm. you're matching them up. So this person that's sitting in front of them is somebody within their age range or within their height preference or within the education level that they want. So you've already done all that. You're just saying, Hey, I took all of the information you told me and ta-da, here's your date. Have fun. (laughs) Yeah. So I know they don't know, neither one of them know, but I know these things. So what I do is before the date, the person who may not be my client, the person may be out of the database. I do a background check on them and we get on a call and I give them a quick little one hour coaching session. So then they go into it feeling secure and I give them suggestions of, Hey, you know, let me help you really quickly create this little dating toolkit, topics to avoid ways to bring up topics that are exciting and fun. I also send them on a date that's allowing them to be a little bit more creative and active. You know, sometimes they go on a paint and sip date or they might go ax throwing and then have drinks afterwards. So it's not, I don't send them on dinner dates. I don't want them to get stuck just staring at each other. I want them to do something on the date, something that they can share in a new experience for both of them is usually ideal. Okay. Now what topics should they avoid? I feel like in today's climate, maybe politics would be a good one to not dive into. But then again, I also know that they're compatible on their ideals, on their beliefs for the most part. And if they're extremely politically driven, then I'm going to set them up with somebody who's also politically driven. So it's fine. But conversations about exes, I don't want them talking about their ex. I make it really clear to both of them. Please don't get caught up in conversations about people that you've dated in the past. Uh, No one should ever leave a date knowing who your ex-spouse is. They don't need to know what they did for a living or their name or what they looked like. That is just crossing a huge boundary. So those kinds of conversations. Now, how would you suggest they bring up topics that are a little bit uncomfortable? Like, Do they need to ask them if they want to have kids or do they need to ask them if they go to church or you pretty much tell them, Hey, they like what you like. Do you know what I mean? Like, how would you still, would they still hover over these topics that they want to make sure that they're compatible? So the nice thing about matchmaking is that you don't have to have these conversations on a first date anymore because your matchmaker has vetted that for you. If someone comes in and says, I want to have children, you know, I'm setting you on a date with someone who also wants to have children. So you don't even have to have that conversation when you meet in real life or on a dating app, you have to find out this information because you don't want to waste a second date on them if you don't have the same life goals. But, you know, as a matchmaker, as we've seen, our clients know that they're coming in, not having to ask these questions on a first date or even a second date, because 
they're already compatible. We make sure of that for them. We do all of that crappy vetting you know, stuff that they don't want to do because it can take away from the first date. It can, you know, I have this checklist. Do you want to get married? Do you want to have a family? Do you want to travel? Things that are important to you, you don't have to now qualify on a first date because that's what your matchmaker did for you. You can just have fun and lean into the date and have an enjoyable time getting to know each other on a deeper level. Now, what are some dating techniques that includes flirting that you teach them or how do men flirt on a date? How do women flirt? What are your thoughts? I have really strong feelings about flirting. <laughs> Mostly because I feel like there are so many pickup artists out there that are trying to teach people bad flirting tactics. Traditional touch her or neg her or do this or do that. But it's not, it's not authentic and genuine to who they are. I really think it's important that if you're going to flirt, you need to learn into your natural flirting styles and learning about what your flirting style is before you start dating is probably going to be really beneficial to anyone who's trying to flirt so that you can know, okay, I am a sincere flirt, for example. And that means that I'm going to genuinely ask questions and engage with someone. And that's how I show that I'm flirting. So whether or not the other person can recognize that visually, now I'm going to have to make sure that my body language is showing that I'm flirting as well. But I might not be comfortable touching someone. And you've seen that. You see it on TV and movies. You see it in real life where, you know, a guy will, he'll listen to one of these pickup artists tell him, you know, touch the small of her back when you lead her through the doorway, open up the door and put your hand on her to flirt. But if you're uncomfortable doing that, your touch is going to feel awkward to her. She's going to feel the energy from that touch and feel that it's uncomfortable and it's going to feel creepy. So instead of touching her, if you're not comfortable touching her, lean into what you are comfortable doing. So if, for example, again, if you're a sincere flirt and a sincere flirt is somebody who's going to engage and ask questions and be focused on what you're saying. So literally lean in when she's talking to you and show her your undivided attention. And that's how you flirt. You don't have to touch her on the first date if that's not comfortable for you. We don't want you to be a creeper. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about how you flirt. Can you elaborate on your flirting techniques? If you meet a guy and you like him, is that part of your flirting technique where you lean in and make eye contact and smile or like what? Oh, I'm, I'm more of a, my actual flirting style is the physical playful flirt style. Um, I will touch and I will do all of the traditional playful flirting things. I will laugh at your jokes. I will literally lean in. I will do the light touch um, I like to do like the forearm light touch. I feel like it's kind of an intimate spot to touch someone. And so if I'm on a date with someone personally, I will kind of laugh, lean in, do the little light touch on his forearm and then kind of lean out. 
you know, hold it there for a few seconds too long. So he knows that this isn't like me just being charismatic with him. This is me really trying to tell him like, I'm flirting with you. I hope you can see that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Do you like it when men ask, can I kiss you? Or you just rather the guy make the move and just go for it? Consent. (laughs) I personally like if a guy asks, Okay. And I especially love if a gu- if we're on a date and we're say we're at dinner and we're both having a really good time and he's picking up on it and he tells me during dinner that he would love an opportunity to kiss me sometime during the night and I can tell him I would really like that too. I've given him consent during dinner. He's not going to do it right then and there. Okay. But then he we both can kind of ease into the rest of the evening knowing like I've given him consent to make that move if he's comfortable. And at the end of the night, if he feels comfortable and confident in doing so, I will make sure that I lean in a little bit extra so that he knows like that consent is still there. I still am interested in that kiss. Okay. So I I don't mind the consent. I think you can do it in a really sexy way. Okay. Okay. Is that the thing now? I mean, I haven't dated in like 15, 16 years. So is that the thing where people maybe mention, gosh, I wonder what it'd be like if I kissed you. And then you say, yes, it would be great. Or later, like, I don't think people know that. I don't, I don't think enough people know how to get consent in a really cute, flirty, sexy way. So I do think there's still this huge struggle. And I, I don't know about you, but I hear it a lot from my clients where they'll talk about, I just want him to lean in and take control and I want him to kiss me, but only if I'm interested in him. How's he supposed to know? (laughs) So how would a woman, how would women let a guy know that, hey, when you kiss me later, I'm going to be okay with it? That right there, you just said it. Oh, (laughs) even if it comes out choppy. (laughs) Okay, so if I'm on a date, I would just be like, you know what? I would be okay with it if you gave me a kiss at the end of the night. Like like that? Yeah, why not? Okay. Why not let him know? Like, it's okay if you want to kiss me at the end of the night. It's okay if you don't want to, but I'm letting you know that I'm open to that. Okay. I didn't know that was a thing now. I mean, I am 50 years old, so maybe <laughs> I'm so out of this dating thing. Okay. All right. Yeah, because you do hear women say, I just want a guy who takes charge. It's like, okay, what if he takes charge and gives you a kiss and you didn't want the kiss, right? Right. Then you have this awkward moment where you lean out and you're like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Like, I didn't say it was okay to kiss me. And it's like, but if you were attracted to him and you wanted him to kiss you, you would have leaned into that and welcomed that. Right. So how's he supposed to know? Maybe as a woman, you just go, I'm leaning in in case you want to kiss me. <laughs> Ooh, I like that too. <laughs> I mean, just, just find ways of being flirty, right? Like as yeah. it goes along and, or it's, or you make a comment like, Oh wait, are you trying to kiss me? Cause I would totally welcome it. Oh, you're not yeah. trying to kiss me. Okay. I mean, I guess you have to just play into your personality and see yes. how it goes, but okay. Okay. Okay, so Andrea, you are the author of the book, Get the Girl, 
Dating the High Value Woman. What made you write that book and what's the premise of it? I've always wanted to write. Writing has always been a part of me. And I really wanted to have a book, you know, let's be real. Matchmaking is expensive. It's pricey. It's for the elites and coaching isn't too far off from that either. And I wanted to be able to have a way for people to get the information in something that's easily consumable. So a book is the most ideal way to do that. And as I'm writing this book, I'm realizing that it can't just be about giving advice. It has to be sprinkled with examples and so I sprinkle it in with some examples from other, you know, from clients that I have, have their permission, but I realized what I not share my own personal dating faux pas. <laughs> and so I sprinkled into every chapter, my own personal dating, some of the challenges that I've come across and some of the things that I've seen personally, along with a lot of how-tos. And it, it sounds like it's a book just for men, but it's really not. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to make it for women and men equally. Men, this is how you attract her. You know, we hear a lot of times men say, I want a woman who is independent and who's strong, but then they get her and they go, oh gosh, I don't know what to do with her now. Like she, she doesn't need me. What do I do if she doesn't need me? So I wanted to kind of give little tips and tricks on not just how to be that high value woman, but how to attract her as well and what to do with her when you get her, how to respect her as an individual and how to respect yourself as an individual as well. Okay. So that's how this book came to be. <laughs> so what is one tip in there that you give the men on how to keep the high value woman and have her stay interested and how to treat her. So something that I thought was really important was this idea of what we think about what an alpha male is and what a real alpha male actually is and what an alpha beta definition truly means to the high value woman and for a man to tap into his alpha side doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. It doesn't mean you have to be this typical ideal douchebag. <laughs> it just means you need to know who you are. You need to be the leader of your own life. And she's going to love and appreciate that. And she's going to support you. And just because she's an alpha female or she's this high value woman doesn't mean that she isn't going to support you and she isn't going to step up to being the nurturer in the relationship. And so it's understanding that bring your authentic self to the table, bring who you are genu genuinely, and you'll be able to find the balance between the two of you. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Now your Date Smarter, Sexier podcast. What do you guys talk about in there? Oof, that one's a little bit more unfiltered, uncensored. Uh, my co-host and I, we talk about a lot of different things from uh, just going on dates and relationships, how to spice up relationships and sex, uh, fantasies. So we that was kind of our way of doing it very unfiltered. Um, so it's it's very raw and it's very real. Uh, and I feel like 
we give different viewpoints. So while I am a single female, he is a married male and we, you know, he's gay, I'm straight. Uh, we just really kind of cover all of the elements in the podcast of like, here's my point of view. Here's his point of view. Mine comes from a professional standpoint a lot of times, but it's just a nice way to have like a really unfiltered conversation about relationships in general. I know you date coach men and women. What are some of the constant, not complaints, but constant things that men bring up? Like, what are some things that they mention that you feel like, okay, this is like a theme in the men in this area? I find that men in general are really struggling with their place, where they need to be. And feeling like they're a meal ticket a lot of times. I saw recently on social media, someone put up a reel about men, just just date men for good meals, right? Go on a first date with a guy, you get a really nice meal, nice wine, and you can do that every day of the week and have all your meals out. And there's truth to that though. There are some women who do look at dating like that. And I think men are really struggling right now to find the person that's going to be genuine, who just wants to go on a date to get to know them versus having a meal ticket or men feeling like every time they match with someone on a dating app, they think they have to wonder, when is she going to ask me for money? Is she going to ask me to fill her tank so that she can meet me at our date? Or is she going to drop the ball of like, oh, I can't make rent this month. And that's a huge concern men are having right now. Yeah, I never understood how women can ask men for rent money or fun money or I mean, that's like prostitution in my mind. Like it's just <laughs> an exchange of goods, right? But um, yeah, I I never never asked a guy that I was dating for money. Like mm -hmm. that's just not me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are some women out there that do do that. Um, so you're saying that the men that you're talking to and coaching, they come up and say, I, how do I weed through all this and find a quality, nice, kind woman that's not after me for my money? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we look at men and women in the relationship, yes, there's always this concern that men want to date younger women. It's the youthfulness that they're looking for. Women want to date men for their resources. Can you provide for me? Can you take care of me? And yeah, a lot of it came from the idea of you get married, you have a family, and for some women, you end up a stay-home wife. For some of you, you continue to work. But it's it's an outdated way of thinking, and it doesn't work anymore for new couples now. So now how do you weed through dating apps and matches when you don't know what they're actually looking for? Men will meet women who want a real relationship, and they'll be excited about them, and then they'll drop the ball of, you know, I need rent money or whatever it is. I can't make my car payment uh, or the idea of they meet them. And then she says, well, I just don't have an attraction to you. You're not tall enough for me, or you're not fit enough for me, whatever it is. So, and that's, 
pressure on both sides. Everyone's dealing with that. No matter who you're dating, if you're male or female, there's always going to be this checklist of who I think I'm looking for. Well, it seems like the people who are asking for money are probably women that are really gorgeous or really hot that can get away with asking men for money because they have asked men for money before. So for a guy who's looking to date someone genuine, you can't just go for looks, right? You can't just go the nines and tens. So it's kind of like, he's kind of asking for it. If that's only the type of woman he's dating and she's so much younger that she needs money because she hasn't made her own money. So I guess yeah. <laughs> he just needs to date smarter, right? Like, yeah. So yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something to say with, you know, your mate value. And I, I didn't come up with this term. This is not my term. Dr. David Buss came up with this term. But there's something to say when you are a mate value of like a five trying to date a 10. Yes, she is. If she's a 10, if she's gorgeous and she's super fit and she's really young, why is she interested in you? You have to ask yourself, why is she going to be interested in me when she can date someone who's equally as good looking and her own age? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's been like that forever where there are gold diggers and there are men who are willing to have their gold be dug. So I guess <laughs> just the way it is. I mean, if they have gold to dig. Um, okay. Well, before I let you go, Andrea, any last parting dating tips, like a aha moment that you've had since you've been doing this for a while now or being a therapist and a date coach? What is one thing that people didn't really think of, but that you realize and you're trying to point it out to them? Like what's one last dating tip you can give them? So for me, I think the big aha is instead of looking at what you can get from the relationship, if you are on dating apps still and you're swiping and you're thinking about what can they provide for me, flip it around. What can I give to this relationship? What can I do to be of service to this relationship? A relationship needs two people to have balance. It's not a 50-50 give all the time. It's what what can I present to this person that they're going to like, that's going to give meaning and quality to their life? Because if I give to them and then in exchange they give to me, now we have a balanced relationship. So instead of looking at what can I get from this person, what can I give to this person? What can I give to this potential relationship? Yeah, that's a good way of dating and to hopefully find a good person that way. Like, what can you do to be a good person in this relationship (laughs) instead of thinking, oh, is he going to pay my rent? So (laughs) what are you bringing to the table? I think a lot of times we do online dating and we're so busy talking about ourselves and what we're like and what we want in a guy, but we forget to tell them what we can bring to the table. Like, Hey, I'm great at this. I'm good at this. And, you know, just those natural things that would come up on a date. You sometimes forget to put that on a dating profile because you're so busy listing your checklist. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Okay. 
Well, Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, May, for having me. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. I will put all of your contact information in the show notes and put the link to your book, the link to your podcast so people can find you. And if they're up in San Luis Obispo or you actually help men and women all across the U.S. and matchmaking, you help the men and women locally, right? All throughout California for matchmaking. So I stay in California for matchmaking, but yes, I help coach people all across the U.S. and even have some clients in other countries. So awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, everybody. And please go to twoasianmatchmakers.com. Register with me so I can find you. I would love to help you out with your dating life so I can be a resource to you. And for men out there who are looking to hire a matchmaker, I am available. So thank you very much, Andrea. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Okay, bye. Bye.